I, I love your pastor greatly, and uh, I am uh, just honored that he would invite me today to be with you guys and, and uh, share with you from the Word of God. Uh, it's my honor also to uh, have my wife with me today. We uh, took advantage of this opportunity to be with you, and I'm just as delighted to have spent a day or so away with her and no one else as I am to be here and share the Word with you. So I just want you to know that up front. Uh, but this morning, I'm going to continue in uh, Pastor Wade's sermon series, Resolved. I know over the last uh, few weeks, actually since uh, we've gotten into the new year, he has encouraged you to, to set maybe some things that we might call New Year's resolutions. But we don't want to call them New Year's resolutions because we know that uh, when we call them New Year's resolutions, we're most likely not going to keep them, right? So we wanted there to be a, a, a deeper meaning to these things that we're going to talk about and that you've talked about over the last couple of weeks. What we're really talking about, instead of New Year's resolutions, are spiritual expectations for the follower of Jesus. That's what we're talking about. What is it that the New Testament particularly has called the followers of Jesus to be about? You've talked about making priority or making priority out of a prayer of prayer, and you've talked about uh, taking in the Word of God, both of those absolutely are spiritual expectations of the followers of Jesus. Today we're going to talk about one that maybe is a little bit more difficult for us, and maybe it's one that we struggle with as individuals, and, and that's the, the spiritual discipline or the spiritual expectation of personal evangelism. When you think about spiritual disciplines, sometimes maybe you don't consider personal evangelism as one of those spiritual disciplines. You may not have considered it as a spiritual expectation for the follower of Jesus. But I want to remind you very simply what a spiritual discipline is. is again, those things inside of the Word of God that believers are asked to do as a consistent and constant in their lives. Like prayer as a priority, taking in the Bible and sharing the gospel of Jesus. Now, you could go into many places to try to understand where we're given this command. Most of us might initially in our minds want to go to Matthew chapter 28, where Jesus gives those instructions to his disciples to, to be witnesses, or we call it the Great Commission. I even thought this week as we were preparing for this time that we, we might go to uh, the story of the Ethiopian eunuch, right? Whenever the gospel was shared with the eunuch, and immediately he was baptized based on his faith. But this morning, what I want us to do is look at Acts chapter 1. And I want us to look at Acts chapter 1 because these are Jesus' final instructions to his disciples. And inside of these final instructions to his disciples, he makes it very evident that there is an expectation that the disciples evangelize the world. He makes it very clear that those that he's leaving behind that will watch his ascension, that it is their responsibility to share the message of his resurrection. And so if you have Acts chapter 1 open, I want us to read the first 11 verses there in Acts chapter 1. And when you have it, would you stand with me and let's read this word together that you're familiar with. But let's be reminded of this resolve to share the gospel. Luke says, I, in the first book, O Theophilus, have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach, until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. 
He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And we had said these things as they were looking on. He was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. God, we ask this morning, Lord, that you take this word, Jesus' instructions to his disciples, Lord, and you place them into the heart of these, your disciples. God, let us, Lord, be obedient followers. Let us resolve in our hearts today that sharing the truth of the resurrection is our spiritual expectation. God, we love you. I thank you for an amazing time of worship. I thank you for every soul that's in this room. God, may you speak to us individually through the power of your Holy Spirit. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You have your outline there in front of you. And uh, on your outline it says the message. And uh, that's just kind of the big idea for our time together this morning. And it says as followers of Jesus, we must be resolved to personal evangelism. Personal evangelism is our responsibility, and it teaches us dependence on the Spirit and helps us maintain the proper placement of Jesus in our lives. The first thing I want you to notice from this passage of Scripture that we just read is this, very simply, that evangelism is the responsibility of the follower of Jesus. Evangelism is our responsibility. Now, you, you see that the disciples, as Jesus is getting ready to depart, they, they ask him a question, right? And, and I believe it's an innocent question. I, for one, believe that we give the disciples too difficult of a time sometimes. You know, we, don't, we like to pick on Thomas, and we call him Doubting Thomas when all of us have doubts in our heart. But we look at the disciple like Peter, who, who often says the things that he shouldn't say when all of us have thoughts in our minds that we should remove. Sometimes we look at the example of the disciples and we say, what were they thinking? But I believe, innocently enough, we find these disciples here and they're understanding that Jesus is about to depart from them. They ask Jesus a question. And it's, it's, it's Jesus, tell us when and how and where, at what time are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? You see, Jesus had been talking to them about three years the restoration of the kingdom. Now we know, because we have an advantage over the disciples, that Jesus was talking about a heavenly kingdom, right? Not an earthly kingdom. 
But these disciples, they didn't understand that. And so they approach Jesus innocently enough, and they say, Jesus, before you leave, there's one thing you need to tell us. We need to know when the restoration is coming to the kingdom of Israel. And what does Jesus say? Jesus says to us here in this passage of Scripture, He says, it is not, look at verse 7, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by His own authority. Now what's interesting to me about that is that Jesus is a very polite man. But in essence, what Jesus is declaring to His disciples at this point is this, it is none of your business. This is what Jesus is saying. Hey, why are you worried about those things? This is not of your great concern. It's not for you to know the times and the seasons. Don't you love verse 8? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. You see what Jesus does? Is Jesus says, hey... That is none of your concern, but let me tell you what is your concern. Be my witness. Now, this, is, this is hard for us as it was hard for the disciples here in Acts chapter 1 because as believers, we, we can occupy our lives with a lot of things and and uh, your pastor has a Ph.D., and he's a real smart guy, in case y'all didn't know that, without a high school diploma. Did y'all know that? Oh, he's going to be mad. So, he's a really smart guy. I, I love seminary. I love learning. But I'm going to tell you something. Learning is not the end of our pursuit. Amen. Sometimes we come into places like this, and we, we sit week in and week out, and and your amazing pastor pours the truth of the Word of God into your head. And what Jesus is saying is, is that is not your goal. The responsibility you have been given, brothers and sisters, is not to learn more. It is to share more. It's to be my witnesses. And you know, the, the spiritual expectation that Jesus has on us at the very onset is, is very simply... Be my witness. Quit occupying yourself, he says to the disciples, with things that are of no concern, with things that are not worthy of your time. Very simply, just do what I'm leaving you instructions to do, and that is be my witness. I want you to see this responsibility at the beginning of our time together. You know, and I... I'm like you. I often wonder why Jesus gives men the responsibility to share his gospel. Do you wonder that? I mean, God has, God has created us. He knows that we are a weak, feeble-minded, fickle people. And yet, he's, he's left us with the responsibility to share the gospel. The next thing I want you to note is that he teaches us also that this evangelism or this sharing the gospel will teach dependence on the Spirit. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. This, I guess, is what truly makes personal evangelism maybe a spiritual discipline or 
uh, spiritual expectation in our life because it teaches us something about God as we are obedient to being God's witness. And it teaches us that we must be dependent on the Holy Spirit for its work. I don't, I don't need to remind you of this, but I'm going to anyway. And, and that's the very simple fact that if you'll just go back in your own conversion experience... You should be able to recognize that it was first and foremost a work of God. That that God drew you through the working of the Holy Spirit unto himself. And in our great weakness, we are able to experience a a drawing of the Holy Spirit unto God and, and unto his salvation. And as a result, we trust in God and we find faith in God. It is the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives that allows us to even experience the joy of salvation that we have in this moment. And so we must recognize then that that if we're going to be personally evangelistic, that it's not going to be by the works of our own hands. It's, It's not going to be by the works of our own creativity. It's going to be by a powerful work of the Holy Spirit drawing men and women and children unto himself. It is why whenever Jesus prayed, every time Jesus prayed, He prayed for those that were outside of his will to be brought inside of his will so that as they experienced this drawing of the Holy Spirit, they could then trust in faith and God would save their souls as he has ours. The working of the Holy Spirit, when we share the gospel and as we are evangelizing personally, we must be dependent on it. You know what this does for me? This gives me a sense of great relief. It gives me a a great sense of relief that that, that I don't have to be creative in sharing the gospel. I, I don't have to do a magic trick to convince anyone that Jesus is who he is. No, I have to do something even greater than that. I have to be dependent on the work of something outside of myself. And the Holy Spirit is that thing outside of myself that I must be dependent on. So Jesus says, it is none of your concern when the kingdom will be established, but I am going to give you the power to be my witnesses. It teaches us to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit. How dependent, how considerate are we of the presence of the Holy Spirit, but not only the presence of the Holy Spirit, but how considerate are we of the movement of the Holy Spirit, even in our midst this morning? You see, if we're going to be successful, we might say, in personal evangelism, it's only going to be because we are dependent on the work of something outside of ourselves, and his name is the Holy Spirit. And it's why Jesus instructs them, as you are sharing the gospel, as you are being my witnesses, first you are going to be overwhelmed with the presence of the Spirit. We have to foster in our hearts a, a great dependence on the Spirit in our spiritual walk. The more... We participate in this the more we grow in our dependence of the Spirit. Right. You know, some, of us are, some of us are dull to the movement of God in our lives. 
Some of us are not experienced enough when the Lord nudges us to speak the gospel. Some of us are, some of us are not, apparently, we're not ready spiritually to share the gospel of Jesus. And it only comes from, from the presence of the Lord. Preach the gospel, some of us have heard, right? And when necessary, use words. How silly. Look at verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. See, this is the most difficult part. I get it. It's a responsibility. I understand the Holy Spirit plays a great role in this process. But now we get the difficult charge. Be my witnesses. You know what we do? We say, what does this look like? Like, what what is Jesus really asking here of his disciples? What does Jesus really want his disciples to do? When he says, be my witnesses, and he tags on those geographical locations, right? Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. What is he asking his disciples to do? I said it before I started this point, but I want to say it again. Always preach the gospel. And when necessary, use words. How silly. From the very beginning of time, the witness concerning Jesus, his salvation, his resurrection, and his return has always used words. We just got through Christmas. (laughs) What an amazing time Christmas is. And you know the words that came to those shepherds, right? Into their ears came the very words that a Savior had been born, and they were to go and check it out. And then we're told that the shepherds, after they got there and after they saw this babe that had been wrapped in swaddling cloths in this manger, we are told that they went about and made known the saying that had been told to them concerning the Christ with words. With words, they shared the gospel that had been given to them with words. You see, I say how silly because because it's absolutely silly, guys, for us to expect that we can just live and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We shouldn't fool ourselves and say, well, what Jesus is asking his disciples to do here in this moment is just live good lives. Don't curse Don't drink, don't dip, and don't chew, right? And don't date girls that do. That's not what Jesus is asking here. He's he's not declaring to these disciples that, that they are just to go out and live their lives in such a way that would point to holiness or that would point to goodness. No, when Jesus is saying, you will be my witnesses, he is talking about communicating the gospel of his resurrection and his payment for the sins of mankind. Jesus is declaring that, that it will be words that the, word, the world will hear, the gospel of Jesus. 
You know, it's interesting is if you follow this word, be my witnesses, this word, witnesses, if you, if you will follow it throughout church history from Acts all the way even unto the formation of what we know as the early church, this word witness will be changed and understood in a different way, particularly whenever Stephen is being stoned. You, you know the account of Acts whenever, whenever Paul himself is standing to the side. We knew him as Saul at that time. And we are told as a result of the preaching, as a result of the testimony of Stephen, that Saul, standing over to the side, gave instructions for Stephen to be killed. You remember that. What we are told in Acts is that Stephen was being a witness. Yes, this word witness is actually the word, the root of the word that we use now called martyr. Jesus was calling his disciples. I don't want this to, fear, to bring fear into your hearts, but I want you to know Jesus was using a word witness that he knew would ultimately lead to every one of their deaths. And he was telling them that, that they're, to be, they're to be martyrs in essence. They're to use the gospel of Jesus Christ to, to win other people into the gospel, but on the way they may die. And I want you to know in, in this place, in the beautiful country that we live in, that's most likely not going to happen to us yet. But we should not forget that Jesus himself, as he was teaching his disciples early on in his ministry, he told them that if they wanted to follow him, they were going to have to deny themselves. As a matter of fact, he said, you should hate your brother and sister and your mother and your father and follow me. What Jesus was saying to his disciples now is the same thing he's saying to his disciples here. And it's very simply this, is that you have to be a verbal witness to what you've seen and what you've experienced. And brothers and sisters in Christ, if, if we are going to be evangelistic personally, it's going to be because it comes from our mouths into the hearts of those people that the Spirit is drawing unto himself. And we will fulfill the responsibility that Jesus has given all of his disciples. Amen. This is a spiritual discipline, yes, it is. which means it's hard. Even what Jesus is asking his disciples to do, it's, it's hard here. But I don't want you to miss this last point just quickly together. What happens at the end of their time? When Jesus had said these things, verse 9, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go. I don't want to read too much into this scripture. I, I, don't want to, I don't want to read something into it that's not there. But I can't help but notice in, in verse 2 and in verse 9 and in verse 11. 
we get a picture of an exalted Jesus. Do you get that? Like we, we get a picture of a Jesus that is being lifted up into heaven. And then it appears that these disciples who have just been given this charge to, to be witnesses, that their gaze is affixed not on each other, but their gaze is affixed upon a high and lifted up Jesus. Yes, yes. And I want you to know something that I think. I'm not telling you that that's why it's in this word, but I, I, I think that this picture at the end of these instructions of a high and lifted up Jesus is placed there to remind us that whenever we are obedient to the charge of Jesus. That we are exalting Jesus. Maybe better and more so than in any other place or time in our lives. We are lifting Jesus up to the place where he belongs. We're lifting Jesus up to the place where he will return from. And gather those that the Spirit has drawn and that we have spoken the gospel to, to be with himself. You see, the last thing is that evangelism causes an exaltation of Jesus. Could you imagine if you have the opportunity this week or in the next few weeks to, to speak the gospel to someone? What you're going to say is something like this. You're going to say... You know, we're all lost because we all have sin. You might even quote Romans 3.23. And then you're going to tell them something like this. And our sin problem runs so deep that we can't fix it ourselves. And then you're going to say something like this. You're going to say, but I, I know the solution to our sin problem. And they're going to say, because of the Holy Spirit work in their lives, they're going to say, well, I want to know the solution to our sin problem. And you know what you're going to say to them? You're going to say, there is one and only one solution. And that is the high and lifted up Jesus Christ. Because in the midst of our sharing the gospel, Jesus is most exalted. He's placed in a position that no one else will ever be able to be placed in. He's placed in a position or in view, in a place that no one else should ever be wanting to place themselves in because he is the only one that is able to make the payment for our sins. Jesus is exalted when we share the gospel. And so, brothers and sisters, listen to me. We ought to be resolved to personal evangelism. It's our responsibility, but it teaches us dependence on the Holy Spirit. We must be resolved speaking the gospel when we have opportunity into the ears of those that we come into contact with. And in that moment, Jesus will be high and lifted up. You know, there's, there's only a couple of ways I think you can respond this morning. And I want to give those to you. First, I think all of us could probably respond in this way. And that is, God, I've, I've not been a good witness. I've not been a good witness in the way that I've walked, maybe, or I've not been a good witness in the way that I've talked. I've missed opportunities to share the gospel. 
And Lord, this morning I want to resolve to personal evangelism. God in the Holy Spirit most likely has already put people in your mind. Someone that you know needs to hear the gospel and you can share with them. You resolve today to exalt Jesus in evangelism. The second thing that you might do this morning is you might submit to the salvation of Jesus. It's interesting that a, a message about being evangelistic might actually evangelize someone. You, you might have heard this this morning and think, I, I need that solution to my sin problem. Your staff, they're going to be down front and you can come and pray to be resolved or to resolve in their testimony, testimony to them. Or, or you can make that profession of faith this morning that you want to exalt Jesus in your life.